Welcome to Freedom Cast. This podcast was started by a dude buying and selling fitness equipment in his backyard. In less than a year, I quit my Fortune 100 job and started a fitness empire. I now interview business owners who have built businesses around helping others get healthy and active. It's fun, it's entertaining, it's informative. It's what fitness should be. Freedom Cast is brought to you by Freedom Fitness Equipment in Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's get rolling. All right, guys, welcome. Um, we're here with Scott from the uh, used gym store in Hickory, North Carolina, and uh, him and his wife are a family team that uh, sell used fitness equipment and new fitness equipment um, here in the, the Hickory region. And um, I just wanted to talk with Scott because um, I got chatting a little bit with him uh, through, I think, Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he had a really interesting story, and I like interviewing people who are kind of in the same space. Um, so I just wanted to talk with you about how you guys got started mm-hmm. and uh, this whole craziness because I know you guys got started in 08 when the recession hit. Yep, yep. So yeah, you can just tell me a little bit about yourself and the business. And well, um, we got started right in the middle of the last recession, which is probably not a good idea. But we were without jobs, and that kind of seemed like a better idea because we couldn't find jobs anywhere. Um, my wife had actually worked in the fitness industry a little bit. She'd been working for a guy who did mostly uh, new installs and stuff like that. Okay. And had been working on here, here the accounts receivable side, and then a lot of it was, uh, I started dealing with some used equipment as it was coming in. I think that's how she kind of got it there. Um, I was a carpenter at the time, which is not really a direct line there, um, but I just run my uh, construction business into the ground, and I learned a lot of lessons there. So finding ourselves both unemployed, we ended up with a conversation of, do you think you could do this since you kind of did a little bit of this? And our business model was not what we went with. Um, our original business model was she had relationships with people in the field and she thought that she could sell out of their inventory. So it was going to be a, not really touching any of the stuff, just um, constantly using their inventories to sell stuff. Okay. Um, and it seemed like a great idea and we did not make a single sale that way. Never happened, never materialized. Um, but through a contact she had from working in the industry after uh, the company she had moved to Alabama and we didn't feel like moving to Alabama, um, we bought 27 spin bikes. And to us, that was like this enormous investment. It was, we're going crazy. And um, actually, kind of on the embarrassing side, we actually ended up uh, renting warehouse space from a red haired midget magician. Who's actually a very nice guy, um, but he actually sells wholesale magic supplies. And so he rented us one side of his warehouse, and uh, just because of scheduling stuff like that, that ended up being kind of a short-term thing. Okay. And then we ended up moving into a 1,000 square foot um, storage space, okay. and just linked it to North Carolina and selling out of there. And you know, we would buy any piece of fitness equipment that we could find, and I was going to scrap yards and stealing the dumbbells out of stuff people traded in there and trying <laughs> to fix stuff up. And yeah, it, it was really slow at first. Um, I'm a, I run a martial arts school, so I was using some of my older students, older younger students, so like top teens, to help me do things I needed to do stuff. And so it was really, you know, I kept a part-time job during all this stuff, and she worked from home. And yeah, it just slowly, slowly grew, because a few people knew her from the industry, and we got to better known. But people would make an appointment, and they'd come over there, and it was a real fly-by-night ramshackly kind of place. I kind of drive past there occasionally just to see like what a terrifying place it was. <laughs> yeah, um, some weird stories out of that place, but yeah, 
it worked out, and then we ended up renting the bay next to us, and then the bay next to that one, and we ended up trying to find a bigger place. So we rented this super old wooden warehouse. It had wooden floors and everything like that. Ooh. So when you went to push equipment, it all caught on the nails and stuff like that. Oh, and, catch. No. and we thought we were pretty pretty darn big at that time because we had an actual parking lot and hey. still by appointment only. Mm -hmm. um, and one time I remember getting a few of my friends to come over and be in the warehouse when we had some folks from the YMCA coming to look. Oh. Just so it looked like we were busier and had stuff going on and there was activity. <laughs> yeah, so pretty pathetic to start with. Um, but what we've always tried to do in business is just not grow too fast. You know, wait till you absolutely can't handle it anymore and then do something else. So uh, from there we moved to a 20,000 square uh, foot warehouse. And it wasn't real well suited for what we were doing, but we could put stuff in there. We finally had a pallet jack and a dock plank ah. we hadn't had one of those up to that point. Wow. Um, we hired some people part-time at that point. And yeah, lots of craziness going on in there. And of course, uh, I do martial arts too. I have a martial arts school. So yeah. because of that, and I'm a competitive martial artist, um, I kept getting injuries through there. So at one point, we finally had my dad working with me full-time. So at one point, he had a torn groin from a match, and I had broken my collarbone. Oh, and, no. You know, we're kind of both limping around the warehouse. And we we're joking the fact that our entire uh, entire business was one woman, a, an old crippled man, and a crippled guy, and that's what we had. Um, and I remember one time it was the day after my ACL surgery. I had to drive to Virginia and pick up a load of equipment. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to do it with kind of one leg. We had a flat tire. Had to change it. It was a uh, it was really a thing. It was, yeah. yeah, that must have been insanely stressful. <sighs> You're in business, you know how it is. Like when you're into doing business, you're doing it mm. and you're kind of in it for the adventure. Mm -hmm. um, if I was working for anyone else, no. Would never have done it. Um, I was talking to my wife and I was talking about how it seems a lot easier now. I said, but you remember that one time? It was a day I actually tore my ACL. Yeah. And I finished up with my ACL getting torn, sat there for a while, got up, loaded my Ford probe with rubber masks, drove them to Vard, unloaded them um, the same day. With a torn ACL. With a torn ACL. Oh my you're going to make $400, and darn it, the torn ACL is not going to stop you from making $400. So, That's yeah. insane. Eh, shouldn't go into business if you're not going to do that. No, it's, it's true. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Um, and so it's, a, so it's a family business, yep. and you guys have been in business since 08. Yep. What was the timeline of like bumping up the warehouse space and getting to here? So I think it was about two years at the weird storagey facility place, mm -hmm. and then spent so hard to keep in mind. Then it was a few years in Lincoln, about three years in Iron Station in the 20,000 square foot. We were in Statesville for a while, and we've been at this location for about a year and a half. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah, we don't move quickly. I would imagine, especially with the amount of stuff you have. Yep. Um, why use gym equipment? I mean, I know your your wife had a connection. Yep. Well, it was it was a recession. Nobody could buy new stuff. Nobody had the money. No one could get a loan. So even the gyms that were doing okay, they you know they wanted stuff that was new to them. But yeah. They couldn't afford to buy you know. Well, like I just saw what somebody paid for uh, some spin bikes, and they had forty spin bikes, and they paid uh, sixty three thousand dollars for it. You know. Most people don't have, because you know, they, it was a Sh uh, Schwinn AC Classics, brand new, and they're about fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a piece. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, they're great bikes. Um, yeah. They're totally worth it. But a lot of people starting a gym are looking to spend under sixty thousand dollars for their entire gym, not just for their spinning. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I mean that stands any time period, but during recession, you know, you might have five or six grand, and that's all of your budget. And you can do a lot better if you uh, if you can do use. Yeah. And with commercial equipment, you know, these have a long life. It, it becomes ugly long before it becomes obsolete. Yeah, no kidding. Do you guys do any of the, when you were getting into this, did you have any dreams of doing anything outside of the used gym equipment, like, uh, I don't know, refurbishing or warranting well, or anything like that? Um, I met this guy in uh, fitness. He's in South Carolina. He's still there. I can't remember the name of his company, but his name is Yub, uh, J-O-O-B, okay. from the Netherlands. Huh. And he gave me some great advice when I first started. He said, he said, I asked him, do you do refurbishments? And he said, Scott, what's refurbishment? He said, and he brushed some of his hand, he goes, is that refurbishment? Is it, did I put a new belt on it? He said, no one knows what that means. Mm. He said, but everyone thinks they know what it means, and everyone's going to be angry at you. And I thought, that's a good point. So, uh, you know, we, we will fix things, we'll do stuff, we'll replace belts, stuff like that, but I never wanted to get into refurbishment because I always find it easier to say, I've got this piece, it's in really nice condition, we've replaced the belts and, you know, the battery and the thing, and just let them decide what they want. Whereas when you say refurbishment, did we sandblast it down and repowder coat it, or I don't want to sell them something that I'm not sure if we're on the same page about. Yeah. So, I mean, people can do it and they make money at it, but I'm not sure I can communicate well enough to meet everybody's expectations. Yeah. So. We just try to stick with buying good equipment, and if you like it, we'll sell it to you. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I mean, you know, uh, it, you have almost have to have a video of how you do the refurbishment oh, yeah. process right. at that point, right? Just to educate the consumer, right? Yeah, I'd rather just say it's really nice. Yeah, <laughs> or it's not really nice. Right. And, yeah, and here's a bunch of pictures. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, did you guys have a website starting out, just out of curiosity? Yes, website was one of the first things we did. Oh, okay. In fact, that's how we kind of chose the company name was based on what um, yeah. domains were available. Yeah. And <laughs> used gym store seemed to be right on the nose. Nice. And it wasn't inventive and it wasn't cool sounding. But we just figured that's what we did. Nice. And, you know, don't have to explain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and are there any other sub-locations of this location? or is it just No, it's just here. We've talked about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you know running a business, it's it's hard enough to run a business, but the idea of trying to run different locations and have people run it for you, I mean, I think my people are fantastic and we'll get there one day, but we're not quite there just yet. So I think I pull my hair out just trying to follow all that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's the, for you guys, what's your main source of business? Is I, I know right now it's a little bit up in the air, but traditionally... <laughs> traditionally, we sell mostly just to businesses, you know, other gyms. Um, even we sold lots of furniture companies who put gyms in for their uh, uh, employees. Oh. Like you can get rebates from your insurance companies if you have gyms in house. That way your employees are healthier, they pay less insurance costs, so they'll actually supplement that. And if you're a large enough company, it's worthwhile doing. So um, we deal a lot with companies. Um, it works out better that way because we can handle larger orders, we can do with installs and stuff like that. But mostly, it's always been business to business, and we will sell to anybody who wants to buy from us. But you know, most people don't not need a $900 chest press in their mm -hmm. house. They need something that's going to do everything. And yeah. $900 is the budget, not the piece. Right, exactly. Yeah. It, it, starting out, was that a little bit different? Like you oh, starting out, we just needed money. Yeah. And again, like I always tell people going into business, if you're not willing to just try anything. And you know how it is. In fitness, there's so many things. There's you know, the spin bike people, and then there's people who are power lifters and bodybuilders. And 
CrossFit folks and you know, you can't really tie yourself into one fad. I should call it a fad. I'm going to offend everybody in that group. So you can't tie yourself into one interest. We love you, CrossFit. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> no, I do martial arts. I'm going to get hurt because someone's trying to hurt me. But, no, but the thing is that you have to do everything. I'm not a big spin bike person. I, I just can't and I don't, but I would love to sell you a spin bike if I have some. Yeah. So, yeah, I will sell to everybody and we try to be flexible, but we've just found out that Commercial equipment holds its value the best, it's easiest to repair, you can find parts for it, and it has great brand recognition. Yeah. Um, you remember years ago when uh, the whole uh, Lance Armstrong thing happened and yeah. they got accused him of doping, so his whole Live Strong brand stuff just died in popularity. So even his spin bikes that were branded in his name that were fantastic spin bikes, worthless now. Not, not worthless, I shouldn't say, just compared to what they were a week beforehand. So yeah, tying yourself into any one thing can be like tremendously difficult on your business. Yeah. So we do a lot of strength. We don't do as much cardio, and we do definitely do a lot of free weight stuff because yeah. it kind of keeps throughout time. You know, CrossFit people might be using it more now, but the normal weightlifters haven't gone away, and whoever comes next is probably going to be using it too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you find out when you were getting, coming up through the business that I've found there's an interesting dynamic with um, there's some sleaze balls, obviously, mm -hmm. within the fitness community, but overall, I found, especially like the business owners mm -hmm. like like you, are um, extraordinarily friendly and open, and um, I don't know, it's just a good vibe coming from the business. Yeah, side. I've had very little problems with anybody. I mean, normally people are always worried about being ripped off. My customers come in and say, "By the way, I think you undercharged me on this," you know, or oh, wow. "You forgot to charge me for this one." I very rarely is a time when I think there's anything weird going on there. And gym owners especially, you might be competitive with that one gym across the street with you, but everybody else, it's not really a problem. Yeah. And so, honestly, everybody's just been pretty fantastic. I mean, we've had a wonderful experience, and you know, we try to be easy to work with, but even with other people who sell equipment, most of the time there's plenty of people to sell to. We're not really stepping on each other's toes, and, yeah. you know, I don't have one of those, of course you'll buy from that guy, it doesn't offend me. If I find out my customers shop somewhere else, I mean, they're in business too. They've, you got to get it at the best price you can, and I don't think any of us are offended. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to go and ask you about like bad customer experiences at some point in, sure. in this interview, but um, I know I've been just walking around with Scott in the, um, uh, in the warehouse, and I knew this going in, but... Uh, they've had a chance to interact quite a few times with um, a really famous YouTuber, Juju Mufu. Mm -hmm. uh, what's his full name? Is it John Call? John Call. Okay. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you were talking to me in the yeah. warehouse? But tell me a little bit about how that all got started. Yeah. So uh, he's done a lot for us, and a lot of videos, include us, and a lot of things. And uh, he's one of our best customers. But we never paid him for any promotion. He found us one day. He and his wife were going to a hot air balloon festival in Statesville. And this is when we were in the Statesville warehouse. And just walked in. And no no offense to you, John, but at the time, I didn't know who you were. And we get a lot of really jacked dudes in. So having an enormous man come in is not unusual. But, of course, my wife kind of freaked out. And was like, oh, my goodness, he showed up. And, uh, of course, during the course of the conversation, she got him to pick her up over his head and all kinds of things like that. Nice. Yeah, and you know, we're on concrete, so I was a little worried about that. But, <laughs> but no, he's fantastic. And he's just such a nice guy. Now, he, he comes across as like practically on crack full of energy and, and crazy. And I'm sure a little of that goes on, but in person, though, he is the most 
kind, understanding, like super easy to work with guy. Um, he's always reasonable. He always pays promptly. He's always considerate about everything. So we've dealt with him for years. I helped move his gym. Um, I think I told you earlier, the first time I ever delivered to him, I sunk a 26-foot box truck in his front yard of his brand new house. And, you know, we were going to be on his uh, channel and everything, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is not the way I wanted to be introduced to all this. But it, it went up great, and he still likes us, and he still deals with us. All I can hope is because even though we did that, we just kept working till night at night. We came back in, we fixed his yard, you know, we got the truck out of there. What happened was the yard was frozen the first time we made a trip through it. Oh. Came back later in the day and just sunk. And so we had to move everything from inside the box truck to his gym across his yard. So we built this road out of plywood and it, it went a long time. Really funny thing, it was also the first day for a couple of my guys. And they worked until 9.30 at night carrying heavy things. And I said to my wife, if they don't quit, we've really got some people there. Yeah. And they didn't quit. That's amazing. Oh, thank God. I mean, what a thing. And we now have a new rule. We don't drive a box truck across your yard no matter what. Yeah, probably good. Because yeah. <laughs> we've been back out there since, and that's the new rule. Okay. I, I know uh, at the time that he didn't have the... Well, he, he was putting out a series of YouTube videos as I think he was building his house. Did, mm -hmm. he, have the, did he have the driveway built then? Nope. Didn't have the driveway. Oh, that's the reason why. Okay. And then he built the driveway, then he built the next building, okay. and uh, we've been installing that one too. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever seen his Thor's hammer? I got to hold it. Nice. Yeah, we got to move that. And I moved his uh, Atlas Stones. And I don't know if you ever get to play with Atlas Stones, but my God, I don't know why people do it. I feel like you're going to break your back every time you look Oh, yeah, or drop on your foot. Or, oh, yeah. You know, I wasn't trying to go ham with it. I was trying to get him on the moving dolly. Right. And it was still terrible. Oh, it's it's horrendous. Yeah, it was awful. So, <laughs> I mean, hats off to the people who actually do it. I mean, yeah. I was looking like, how do you learn to do that? How do you not just die? The strong men figure out a way. Yeah. But there's, there's like a whole technique, and I know some of the guys you tack, you but like... They're still hard to pick up. Oh, it's a it's a round stone. Yeah. yeah, it seems awful. Yeah, and again, see, I sell these people. I don't necessarily <laughs> understand. Yeah, How is, have you had any other interactions with folks like that? Like TV? Not, moderately famous people, but very much in like kind of niche industries. Okay. Um, so it's really not nobody I'd be able to identify super well. There's a lot of famous in the grip strength industry people we deal oh. with a lot, um, and a lot of arm wrestlers and stuff like that, but. Not so much. And we do a lot of group strength competitions here in-house. Nice. And they're a group, great bunch of guys, but you watch what they do and you don't want to do it. Like, yeah. all their stuff looks like you're just going to pull your hand tendons. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a guy around here who's a chiropractor. His name's Scott Johnson, but he is a what's called a hub curler. You ever seen that? Mm -hmm. It's where you grab a 45-pound plate by the center hub and you're just using your fingertips to do your curls off of that. No. And it's absolutely nuts. Um, again, one of those things I love to watch have no interest in participating. Yeah, no kidding, because yeah. it's like... And you normally do two plates at the same time. What? And then they do the pinch grip stuff, and there's a whole thing they do. And then there's this other, they do this one at the end of the day called a medley. And they take all of these exercises they normally do, and you get points on how many you can complete at the end of the time. And so it just blows your mind. They, they do it in the house all the time, and it's just something to watch. So. Holy cow. Yeah. Do you advertise these events? Like, are they just... A little bit. Um, the most recent time was during the pandemic, so it was really just the competitors okay. at it. And so... If you happen to be shopping at the time, you know, we clear out half the warehouse and kind of do it there, but okay. it's kind of something you'd have to know what was going on. Like, they do this sledgehammer thing where you have to take the sledgehammer, you tilt it back, and you touch it. You've seen that? I have, yep. Yeah, and they start with lighter sledgehammers, and they get up, I think they had a 40-pounder the one time, and to save time, they'll do two at one time. 
And so far, no one's hit themselves, at least not in-house. That's always good. Not their in-depth knowledge. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was trying to get, is it forearm strength or grip strength yep. or something, and, and I was doing that. I, could, I, I think I had a 15-pound right. maybe, way yeah. up. Yep, nope, not for me. <laughs> okay. So um, I know you do martial arts. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you also weightlift as well? A little bit. Um, since the baby came, like, very little. Okay. Um, but I have a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, I'm a Judo black belt, and I used to be much more competitive, but I, I used to do a lot of that. So there's weight training involved if you want to be competitive. Um, but, you know, I'm 150 pounds, um, so, yeah, not not as much as I should. Gotcha, no. gotcha. Do you prefer you prefer the martial arts? I'm yes. I, I'm one of those people who did weight training to supplement their, their sports playing, not... Okay. Um, have him do the other stuff on the side. Nice. Now, my brother, he, he's a big weightlifter. Uh, uh-huh. He looks like he should run this business. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So every time he's in there, like, oh, you're the owner. He's like, no, no, no. Um, I just call him in when things are too heavy. Very nice. Uh, is Did you ever do the martial arts st- professionally? No, 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 no. Unfortunately, I'm very amateurish. Um, okay. You know, I hit all the tournaments locally and stuff like that, especially used to. I'm, yeah. I'm getting lazy as I'm getting old, but... Uh, Used to be very competitive, but not not like a professional martial arts or anything like that. Just just for fun. Gotcha. How long have you been doing that for? Did you start? Uh, started about eighteen years ago. Um, I've basically been doing martial arts since my early teens. Yeah. So been competitive all that time. I've started getting beaten up over time. I just yeah. my entire body starts to give out after a bit. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, especially the kind of moves you guys are doing. Oh yeah. And you know, after my last ACL surgery, my surgeon's like, "Have you considered not doing this anymore?" I said, "No, I need you to put my leg back together so I can go back and do this." Wait, sorry, you said last ACL surgery? Does that mean you've had multiple? Yes, I've torn both ACLs, broken both my collarbones, torn my uh, rotator cuff, caved in these ribs; they still bend in. Um, broke my eye socket, broke the back of my skull. I mean, broken hands and feet so many times. So, oh, and uh, my orbital, yeah. So. Orbital. Yeah, they just uh, this bone underneath my eye. Mm. Yeah, that was not fun. That was the worst one. That sounds excruciating. Yeah, because your whole eye goes black, right? Yeah. Or well, the main problem is you couldn't chew on that side forever. Oh. And you don't think people touch you on the face until you break your orbital, and then everybody it feels like everybody's touching you on the face. Uh, did uh, concussions? Ah, a couple of them. <laughs> Mild, moderate, severe. Ah. Uh, not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I got through it every day for a month one time. So. Oh my. That was back in college, though, so it was all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a, uh, I had a mild, con- they claimed it was a mild concussion, and I think, I think recovery time to where I was at, where the fog gets lifted, yeah. seven months, easily. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend and my wife wouldn't let me ride my motorcycle, and, you know, until that whole being able to see out of one eye thing stopped happening, but, mm. I know, what a drag, right? <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, you don't mess around with that kind of stuff. I mean, or you, you shouldn't. You, you shouldn't. shouldn't. <laughs> For anyone who's listening, it's a terrible idea. I tell all the young guys I train nowadays, I'm like, listen, I did it stupid so you don't have to, okay? Yeah. I said, listen, doing all that stuff you're doing right now is why you're going to be as beaten up as I am. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times we'll be extracting uh, equipment from a you know, gym at a high school, and I just watch these kids deadlifting, and I just want to lean and be like, this is why you'll be have a crippled back when you're older. <laughs> I want to look at the coach and be like, do you want to stop them or should I? Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're deadlifting more than I ever could, but, you know, not the way you should. Right. And it just hurts your heart to see it, so. Yeah. In the words of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ronnie Coleman. Spinal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, 
have you had any really cool? Uh, one of the reasons I got into this business, and it's different for everybody, sure. I know, but uh, one of the reasons I got into this business is I like seeing the transformations that happen mm-hmm. with with certain folks, like when they buy the equipment, so, right? Whether it's weight loss or power, or, you know, the dad buying for his mm-hmm. son who's in football and gets better. Have you seen any of those stories like play out over time? Well, it seems more like that in a business sense, because yeah. uh, you know we're oftentimes there at the very beginning of somebody's business. Um, and like I'll, I'll mention somebody, I don't think I might even be mentioning by name, but um, Lance Moore, he runs a mountaintop gym in uh, Kings Mountain, okay. and super nice guy. But I remember coming in and he had a very small amount of money, and he had a plan, and he spent like eight hours in the warehouse with a notebook, figuring everything else, bought like every ugly thing I had. Came back a year later, upgraded nearly everything. Wow. Came back a couple years later. Upgraded to the nicest stuff I have in my warehouse because he started real slow, built it up, built up his clientele. Still loves it, still having a great time with it, but you know, he did it smart and it was just great watching a young guy with good thoughts, really doing his homework and, and producing a good business to the point that he can just keep upgrading his equipment and making his place nicer. Yeah. What I really hate, and you know, I don't own a gym, so yeah. Might want to talk to a gym owner, but what I hate watching from the outside, where I sell equipment to gym owners, I'm also there at the end when their gym fails and I end up buying their equipment from them. You got to start inside your means. You know, everybody wants to start their business at like the five year mark, uh, but you can't. You got to start at the one year mark and just drive the beater car. You know, have the the equipment that's very well maintained, but in, you know, old. You know, get some second gen Nautilus stuff in your place and just be a great business owner. And the pride will come 10 years from then when everyone's like, oh, it looks so easy for you, you know? Everything looks fantastic and great because you're going to learn in those first few years and you want to be the cheapest lessons that you can afford. Yeah. I mean, we were three, four, four years in business before we finally got a forklift. Hmm. I, all my new employees, I'm like, you guys don't know how nice this is. Oh, no, yeah. We list stuff for you. I yeah. said, you see me? That was the forklift when we got started. Yeah. I had a dolly from Harbor Freight, and we didn't have a dock plan for getting in the trucks. We just threw uh, plywood across. But, you know what? I mean, it's humbling, Mm -hmm. but it's cheap. And uh, you can have pride later. Pride is an expensive commodity uh, when you're starting a business. Yeah, okay. But it can cripple you, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Especially from a profitability standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, That's awesome. any crap stories from customers that have come in? <laughs> I know you've got the good stuff, but like, I'm sure well, you've had a really bad experience. Um, you know, honestly, there's a lot of the similar experiences. Um, people get angry that you sold a piece of equipment that they want. And, you know, I mean, used equipment. So it's not like I have a thousand of them and I'm not selling it to you to spite you. Mm-hmm. I have one and somebody paid for it first. Mm-hmm. And uh, concept two rovers are the worst. I mean, I even hate having them in stock. Oh my goodness, yeah. Because so many people want them. As soon as I announce I have one, you get seven people, and at the end of the day, you have one happy person and six really ticked off people. And uh, yeah, I get that they really want them, but I can't seem to explain to them that, sorry, I, I only had one. And I know you're special to your mother, and this person's special to their mother, but it's really kind of a race. Whoever gets here first gets to have it. And yeah, it, a lot of that. Um, Shipping is always the, the biggest confusion there because, you know, once it's out of your hands, people break stuff, beat stuff. I had someone get shipped to Flint, Michigan the other day. They're supposed to get shipped to Tennessee. Oh, man. But, you know, to be honest, a lot of our customers have been pretty darn good. And the, the, we had one woman. We wouldn't put a piece of equipment on top of her Jeep. And so she went all over social media and everything and gave us all these terrible reviews for not doing it. And it was my wife there. 
And she just told the woman, she's like, ma'am, this is the size of your Jeep. <laughs> we're not putting it on your Jeep. I think your Jeep is amazing, but we're not going to be putting this piece of equipment on your Jeep. And I think that's probably the most unreasonable customer we've had. Yeah. Um, but honestly, we talked it out with her, and she removed most of the uh, bad statements all over. So it, it worked out well. The main problem I have is I have customers who decide I'm their friend, which is fine. I want to be friendly with my customers, but they just keep calling me up to chat, and that goes on for weeks and weeks, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean like that. Yeah. I don't have time. I'm, I'm kind of at work. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. We just keep this professional. You know? <laughs> friendly professional, but professional. they just want to talk about... Oh, I have some stories. And, oh, goodness. <laughs> yep. I had one calling from California the other day just to let me know what was going on with him. Actually, he's a sweet old guy, so I, I can't even be too upset. Uh, yeah, but that's interesting. Yeah, but I can't complain. For the most part, there's always a bad day in customer service, but yeah. for the most part, it's not bad if you just keep keep up with it. You know, mm -hmm. follow up with your customers, be honest with them right off the bat. Yeah. And what I've really learned is when you screw up, start with, "Excuse me, sir, I really screwed up," and I, I just wanted to let you know I know how inconsiderate this is. And I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to try to fix this. And then they sit there and they're like, well, this was your fault. No, you said that. They're like, this is really inconvenient. Like, oh, you, no, you kind of covered that. You're like, well, you need to make this right. You, you said that too. And they're like, well, kind of mad. I'm like, you should be mad. And by the time you're done, normally they'll come back and be your customer. Because actually, I've, I've said this to my wife, you don't want to screw up. But sometimes when you screw up with a customer, if you can fix it properly, it kind of builds this rapport with them where they say, yeah, they might screw up, but they're going to fix it. Whereas, you know, when you try with somebody else, are they just going to leave you out there? And yeah. Once they know you've screwed up and fixed it, they know for a fact what you'll do. So. Yeah, absolutely. Had a really good follow-up experience. Hmm. Nice. Um, let me think here. So, what did your... I'm just curious about how other people reacted to you guys going out and starting to do your own thing instead of having the security of whatever you were doing before. Well, fortunately, in the middle of the recession, nobody cared because, I mean, everybody was doing something crazy. Yeah. I remember uh, just among my martial arts students, like half of everybody was unemployed. And not because of anything they were doing, just everybody was unemployed. They were doing martial arts, so they needed something to kind of calm them. But So that was not great. But um, really what it was, you run into older people and you tell them what you did. And they would just immediately dismiss it and be like, okay, so you guys don't really have a business. And yeah, 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 you gotta, you gotta humor them because they're, they're older and it just sounds like a weird thing. Like, who starts a fitness equipment business? I mean, you know, you know Carolina Fitness and I know you're doing stuff like this now, but you can probably count on one hand the people who do this. So like, there's not really a blueprint. It's not like saying, I'm a plumber. I'm a, yeah. you know, I'm a real estate broker. They can't just say, oh yeah, I got no guy who does that. You know, it's a weird thing to do. Um, there's no real set formula. You can't just learn what you're doing. It's kind of a trial by error thing. So most people just initially didn't want to hear about it. And um, the rest of the people are like crazy entrepreneurs and they're excited. So, mm. you know, the crazier an idea, the more an entrepreneur loves it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The interesting thing I found about this business is, and I feel like this is just waiting for somebody to, to create whatever this is, is a blue book. A blue book for yep. fitness equipment. Yep. I'm shocked that nobody has yet. Yeah, well, if you know, the fitness industry is just weird. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people are selling stuff that doesn't belong to them. It's coming up, you know, it's on lease, but they think it's theirs, and they sell it, and then you have to give it back. And, mm -hmm. you know, what did you do to it before it got done? So it is a lot like cars, but since it doesn't have the universal understanding or appeal, 
And then, of course, you've got the other thing is that you know, some of this equipment actually starts becoming more valuable as it becomes kind of antique and people remember training with these classic pieces. Yep. Uh, like you'll find certain old Nautilus pieces that are, from maybe from a younger person's perspective, ugly and weird. Mm -hmm. And to an older person who remembers it, this is a classic. And they will pay money and drive across the country to get it. Yep. Uh, I've got a set of uh, York roundhead dumbbells out there that we're not even selling because they're just so cool. Mm -hmm. To most people, they're just really old dumbbells. Like, they should be worth less than the other dumbbells we have. Um, but to some people, like, they will straight up murder you over them. Oh, yeah. And if you ever see, like, the actual, like, the, the actually the cannonball round dumbbells, like you always yes. see in the cartoons, like, you get a pair of those. I mean, they'll sell for hundreds of dollars on eBay. So, yeah. Same thing with York and little plates and all that kind of stuff. I've got customers who are just, I'm not educated on the topic, but they know if it's stamped and it's not stamped, you can tell by the little letter. They're like coin collectors, like, really heavy coins. And, They've got thousands of pounds of you know, weights in their basement, and again, the, the chiropractor I mentioned, Scott Johnson, I mean, he can, he's literally written a book on this topic, but he can tell you practically everything you need to know, and he's always trying to educate me, but it's just it's too much. I think you have to really love it. It's the stamp collector of, of weight lifting kind of stuff, and he knows it all, and I just see a stamp. So he comes and he rifles through my plates, and you know, he comes with a headlamp and, and gloves and a towel and just digs through every single plate, and the ones he doesn't take, he tells me which ones are valuable and which ones aren't, and you know, all huh. that kind of stuff. So he's a, he's a great customer. Although I have no idea how many plates one man needs, because I don't think he sells them. I was about to say, I knew a guy that did this. We, we bought a few plates from him, um, and he must have had a garage full. And some were up in display cases, some were down on the floor, he snaps a few photos, and I'm just sitting there going, what are you going to do with all these? Because, I mean, he had a leg press in there, yep. I think, like, a couple other pieces, but... You're not doing that no. for a thousand pounds at a time, unless you're on, unless you're on call. Which you, you might have been. Sure. No. <laughs> All of my customers can do more on legs than I can. So. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've hit that. Yeah. I know I can do squats, but that's about. So I was like, "What can you bench?" I'm like, "You don't want to know." Yeah. Well, don't embarrass me. <laughs> nice. Um, <clears throat> so, is there a split to the? Or uh, over time, I know you've gotten more and more employees and, and that kind of thing. But how was it operationalizing the whole business? That was hard. And the biggest thing is, as you go to have employees, you can't just do it off the top of your head the way you've always been doing it. You have to have standards and rules. So I took one year um, where I decided we're going to standardize everything, okay. and um, it was rough. And my wife hated me for it. Um, I think she's okay with it now because. She was really the driving force behind the business side of the business. Yeah. And then, you know, when we started having children and stuff like that, it started becoming more of a, I have to take over some stuff. So I was the standard standardizer person, and that's never comfortable for everybody. When I tell you it has to be done a certain way, and we have to keep lists, and did you put it in the book? And, you know, the biggest hard part of a new business is all the things you have to do to not be doing it illegally, you know, all the record keeping and tax stuff. and it'll drive you crazy because you can try to be as law-abiding as you want to. You're always finding something that you didn't realize was even a role. Oh, I know. And then you have to start doing it. And then you start adding non-family member employees to the mix and you realize everything else. Yeah. Now, we've been really lucky because, I mean, we interviewed really stringently. Um, I, for, you met Hannah up front. Um, I interviewed uh, 26 people before I hired her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're a small business, you can't afford to have a less than fantastic employee. Um, and uh, similar numbers with everybody else that we have working here, other than my father. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, we just stuck him in. It's just complete nepotism. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he's happy about it, but we're happy about it. But yeah, um, and then all of my employees are so much like family members now. I mean, it's, it's basically gone back to pretty much family member stuff because they're just fantastic. They, every time it's time to work late, work hard, go somewhere hard, I mean, they're all in. And I try to send them home and they won't leave. So they've been fantastic. Um, funny story, uh, one of my main guys' name is DJ. Um, he actually got hired from the... Uh, delivery room uh, we were having my son because um, he's not with us anymore but no one of my better, best employees his name was Will Maddox uh, he did the uh, interview for me because I was going to the uh, hospital and I didn't want to cancel on the guy it just seemed rude I'm like hey you've been around for all the interviews could you just interview this guy and so I get a text from him that said this guy's amazing you have to hire him so I call him up right I didn't call him during the delivery but I call him up after the baby was delivered and I'm uh, just like, hey, DJ, you know, Will said you do great, blah, blah, we'd love to have you. I said, you know, give me a call back. This is my number. And I hung up the phone. I looked up my wife, and I went, that wasn't my cell phone number. I don't know whose number that was. <laughs> Called back. I'm like, DJ, this is not a good first sign, but that's not my number. <laughs> I haven't slept in a long time, so this is my number. <laughs> call me back tomorrow. I'd love to talk about you coming into work. And he's been fantastic. Um, first day on the job, we took him out of job, and we had taken the weight stacks off a piece of equipment. So I think it was a 300-pound weight stack. And I come over with the uh, hand truck to pick it up, and he goes, does that go in? I said, yeah. And he picks up one hand and walks in the building. And I looked at my dad and went, we hired the right guy. <laughs> That's our guy. pound weight stack with One hand and walked in casually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crud. Poor guy. We work with like a, two guys, but... <laughs> He's been fantastic. Sounds like he's as strong as two guys. Too. Oh, he's as strong as two guys. He's super smart. We pull him up the office anytime we have extra office work to do. He's my lead guy out on the jobs. He's amazing. So that's incredible. I told him part. I said part of your hire. It's like, you're not allowed to quit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Not negotiable. Just can't go there. Nice. Same with Hannah. She's not allowed to quit either. And uh, we've got <laughs> Smiley and Junior, and nobody's allowed to quit. I actually did the year. Uh, um, in a year review on Smiley today, and I got done. And I said, "So, in conclusion, here's your bonus. You're not allowed to quit. You gotta give me like a two-year notice." So yeah, that sounds about. That sounds very original. Yeah. yeah, he just had his first MMA fight the other day. One by trying, well, excuse me, armbar. He'll get mad at me. He had him in triangle and finished him with an armbar. Oh, nice! Yeah, so very wow. proud of him. That's incredible. Does he is he a pro amateur or? Yeah, he's an amateur MMA guy. First uh, amateur MMA fight, but he's a wow, very experienced jiu-jitsu guy. He's done. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Do, so do all the guys in your warehouse have some sort of like... Used to be. Used to be. Okay. Um, I used to employ a lot of my martial arts students. Over time, I'm trying to stay away from hiring friends and family because I'm trying to be more professional. But, uh, <laughs> you know, DJ was a college football player. Um, Junior is a break dancer. Hannah is a bodybuilder. Wow. So we do get a weird mix of athletes in here. Okay. And I think that's what kind of draws them to apply for a job like this. like it is. So, yeah. you know. I guess it makes sense. That actually isn't even on the part of the discussion during the interview process. It's just interesting. I was on a gym extraction, and uh, Junior goes in the other room uh, where they have their spin bikes thing. We take all the spin bikes out, and we come in and do breakdancing. And I looked at him, and I said, how was that not part of the interview? Like, I, I hired him because he was happy and laughing the entire interview. But, you know, that would have definitely weighed in. Yeah. So. I'm kidding. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to have... Uh, first of all, you have to have some knowledge of fitness equipment. I would assume being in this business, just to just to like know what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, you know, 
as a bodybuilder, as a powerlifter, you would know more yeah. about that than the average Joe. So. And DJ, he's been an athlete his entire life, so that helps with the strength thing, too. Yeah. So. I can imagine. Uh, have you guys been able to go to or even get your... How, are you, how do you get the word out about what you guys do? I know there's Facebook Marketplace and advertising and Google and the whole bit, but like when you were first starting out and growing... How it's it's a grind. Out? My wife used to work all day and then work late into the night just going to websites, getting people's email addresses, messaging them, do you have equipment, do you need equipment? Um, just, just constantly calling people, cold calling, going visiting gyms. I mean, very labor intensive. And it's, it's lightened up as time has gone on and we kind of have a name now and people know who we are. But nothing magic. It was just a whole lot of just elbow grease and relentless grinding until you know people knew who we were. And it's amazing how many people are like, oh really, you have stuff, what do you have? Um, so nice. it's a very unsatisfying answer. Especially if you're going to get started in business, you don't want to think that you're just going to grind late into the night every night. But you know, there's only so many people who need commercial weightlifting equipment. I mean, in a small area. Yeah. Well, especially if you can't, especially early on, like if you're not able to ship. Right. You know. Oh, shipping is is really hard to get into. It's just hard to understand. It's hard to get started, and you lose a lot of money learning. So yeah. I remember the first time we did. Uh, my wife sold a container's worth of equipment to a rack. And uh, I said to her, I said, is, is that allowed? Is that okay? Did you sell it to the right people in Iraq? Um, this was during the whole thing with ISIS and stuff like that going oh, on. I said, you know, if Homeland Security raids this place, I said, I'm just going to put my hands behind my head and point to your office. And I said, I don't want to hear it. We watched a documentary about North Korea, and um, Kim Jong-il had a pre-core uh, treadmill in the background. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, is that one of yours? Did you sell that to him? I said, I don't want to hear it that we're selling to North Koreans, all right? I said, we don't need to be helping them. Our stock was the thing that you knew was down. <laughs> That's bad product placement. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so d- d- I assume it ended up working out. Oh, yeah. Actually, weirdly enough, international sales, it sounds scary and it sounds like a scam, but everybody we've ever sold to overseas has been super honest with us. Wow. And uh, I'm sure they're as cautious with us as we are with them. But we've sold to Egypt and uh, Lebanon. A lot to Egypt, uh, Jordan, uh, Guatemala, Honduras, and uh, we've got a contact in the uh, Caribbean, really nice guy, and uh, he works off the island of Caracal, and so uh-huh. the multi-gym we sold him is the only multi-gym on the entire island, at least last time my information was updated, so wow. he keeps trying to get us to come out and visit him, and I would love to make that a work trip, but uh, this uh, pandemic's not made it easy. Yeah, Ooh, that's a, that sounds like a really nice place. Too. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's right off the coast of Venezuela. It's a, a former Dutch English colony, so yep. they speak English, and it's yeah. Wow, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, and I think you said most of the folks coming over here are just trying to. Buy. It's usually because they're trying to build out their own home gym, or they have like a commercial gym over there. Uh, it's honestly commercial gym stuff. As a okay. lot of these countries are building up the middle classes, having gyms is now a thing. And uh, you know, a lot of times we have stigmas in this country. Like, uh, I'm not trying to offend anybody who's in yeah. Planet Fitness, but you know, Planet Fitness has a very definite color scheme going on. Well, and so if you don't before. want a bright purple or bright yellow piece. <laughs> And the other thing is you just don't want your gym to look like Planet Fitness. Correct. So it's hard to sell that stuff. But to someone in another country who doesn't have that stigma, they're just like, hey, this is a great piece of life business stuff. I mean, I'd love to have it. And they're generally in good condition, so they're thrilled. And purple to them is just purple. Um, you know, it's nothing. Yeah. Um, we were joking. There was a local gym that has a bunch of uh, yellow frames but uh, red pads. And so everyone's been joking. It's McDonald's 
Honestly, <laughs> you know, we, we have a stigma, but you know what? If that's not a problem for you, you're just thrilled to have some good equipment, then that, that's for you. And that's what a lot of our overseas sales have been being. So. Yeah. Have you found that over time um, you're seeing a lot more of the value shoppers? Um, I'm, I'm sure yeah, as, you, as you've grown in Notoriety, mm-hmm. there's more of the value shoppers coming your way, but like, are there more gyms now that are buying the used stuff than, than the new, or are there, because I know some of the franchises, the life fitnesses, or um, uh, trying to think like uh, Workout Anytime, Anytime Fitness, mm-hmm. like they're gonna go for the new stuff. Right, but, and a lot of times it's a requirement of the franchise, or if their okay. franchise does let them buy uh, new equipment, uh, used equipment is very, specific guidelines of color scheme brand and stuff like that so you'll still sell the franchise gyms but okay. most of the time what we sell to is more independent gyms or franchise gyms who are playing it hard and loose and just figure the franchise won't notice so nice. <laughs> and i won't give a shout out to them yeah no. <laughs> that makes total sense um yeah i, f- I figured I-, I didn't know what the franchise rules about most of those guys are but i figured they had at least some oh it's got to be hard being a franchise. There's a lot of benefits there, but you know, it's, there's a lot of rules to navigate. And being a small business is hard enough with all the rules you don't know. Yeah. Having an extra layer of rules, it's going to be hard. And I got to say, it's been really hard in this pandemic for franchise gyms. Um, they still got their franchise dues. They normally have this huge either lease or um, just a loan on yeah. all the new equipment. And so the I, I never want to see people going out of business. But the, the bright side is that I always have the deepest sympathies for these you know, people who are trying to live their dream and are just doing it on their own, and they've actually done a lot better because they're not only a lot tighter with their purses going forward, and they survive this a lot better than a lot of franchises have. So, like I said, I don't want anyone to have trouble, but it has been nice seeing the very pure entrepreneurs kind of doing all right with themselves. Um, uh, I call out somebody else, um, Jess from uh, Fit Fat Gym. Um, she started this like literally the month that the pandemic started. She opened her gym. Wow. And we were like, oh no, because we really like her and we really want her to do well. And she bought so much of her equipment from us. And oh, I hated it for so many people I sold to that month. And they even called me, like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, shh, this is going to be over in like a month or two. Don't sweat it. And I was wrong. But uh, she's done great. So she's managed to navigate things and make it work. And she's open again and everything seems to be working out. But again, she pieced it together on her own. She's got her own brand that she's doing. and. Again, but she's been very conservative and very intelligent with her spending, and I think it's really worked out for her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you guys know? He's a big name in the uh, in certain financial circles. Mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey. I'm familiar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you subscribe to his methodology? Honestly, I hate to say it. I've been so busy the last few years. I haven't listened. My parents are big fans. Um, yeah. And they constantly tell me what I'm doing sounds like his stuff, but I wouldn't want to put words in his mouth. Um, I couldn't tell you. Gotcha. I, I was born in a very blue-collar family. I'm actually a, a sixth-generation carpenter, which I'm sure my ancestors are dying the fact I'm selling gym equipment now. But, you know, that was not a good time to be in uh, in construction. So Yeah. And so being in gym, i got to say, you know, running a business in the ground is a great learning experience. You learn so much. And uh, I think I was about $18,000 in debt when we got done with it, which is not a lot. On some fronts, but it's enough to say that was a bad idea. Yeah, and it's not too bad. Again. Sure. So, yeah, that teaches you a little bit. Um, but now I don't really have a philosophy. My main philosophy with business is always to not, you know, we, we don't do debt. Um, we've done everything cash from the beginning. That's the same here. Because if I have to sell it all and walk away tomorrow, I'll get less than I paid for it, but I'm done. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, 
capital is one of the ways that we built such a society where we all have so much stuff. But, you know, living through a recession like I did, it really alters your views on debt. And so my point of view is I can't afford it, probably shouldn't have it. And that's why we've slowly grown from incredibly modest warehouses to what's still a very modest warehouse, but just many times better than what we started with. Um, I'm still driving the same two pickup trucks. Um, you know, I'm still loading the trucks myself just because it's, it's not worth it. So, yeah. you know, we run everything cash, we pay everybody up front. And a lot of the reason why we like our customers like us is because we can pay everybody cash when they need it. We're very upfront with things and we might be small, but whatever we say we can do is, is actually what we can do. Um, one of the problems people run into and they use uh, equipment businesses, you get a lot of stock pictures of stuff, but it's like having a stock picture of a Toyota Camry. Well, I mean, that's fine if you're selling brand new ones, but if you're going to be selling used ones, they're going to be different. Um, yeah. you know, what did you do to it? How many kids melted their crayons in the back seat? That's what you need to see. And so we've never done stock footage, which is super labor intensive, but you, know, you need to see the, the yeah. piece you're getting. And it's annoying as I'll get out because, you know, if I have 10,000 pounds of plates, it's hard to take a picture of that. But so you just take a lot of pictures and you, you just work. But uh, we prefer you know what you're getting because it's used equipment and it's used. So it might be wonderful. It may not be. And we're going to try to be as honest as possible. And we don't want you to misunderstand. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the challenges that I had when I was starting out. I was trying to think about, you know, well, first of all, is it better to be online? Is it better to be in person? That kind of thing. But also, I want somebody to know if there's a tear here or right here. I can take a photo, and that works fine. Might work fine for Craigslist where somebody's just come in. But if they're ex purchasing exclusively online, for example, oh, and yeah. get shipped across the country, oh, yeah. and they find something on the back of that piece of equipment, yep. you're going to get a very unhappy yep. person on the other end. So that's why I tell Hannah a lot is take unflattering pictures of this equipment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If find the worst thing, take a picture of you pointing at it so that they can see. Um, because we're not out to mislead you. We just, we want you to know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, what's been, let me think about this. What's been, this is a cliche question. What's been the most challenging thing about building these gyms for an hickory? Um, honestly, there, a lot of it is compliance. You know, we moved in and the fire inspections and, uh, all the just various things need to be checked, checked off, inspected. I mean, for a new business, you can't just stop for a few months and get that all over with. Um, to putting in the uh, dumpster enclosure, you know, just to, so the dumpster couldn't be seen was going to be like ten grand. You know, it's just high costs going forward. Um, the insurances that go into stuff, the taxes that go into stuff. There's just so many things that just make it hard to go forward into a business. But you, you need to do it if you're going to have an actual business. You know, if you're looking to make $500 one weekend, then yeah, you can get away with it. But if you're trying to be somewhere for years and run a good business, it's it's a lot to learn. And I actually went to college for business. I got my bachelor's degree in accounting, but it was a good leg up, and it's not everything. It's it's so much not. It's just where to start knowing what you don't know. Thankfully, my wife got a marketing major, and that was a good combination there. But it's still so much to learn on the ground. And when you're in small business, you know, you do all the departments. Yeah. You know, you're you know, receiving, pay, house payable, um, accounting, HR, the legal department, and yeah, we're not qualified for most of that, so yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what's been the most, and on the, the flip side, what's been the most rewarding part of? Honestly, I gotta say my employees have been just a joy. I mean, I was dreading the idea of having people that I didn't know yeah. mixing in this very fun, family-oriented business, and 
They have just been continuously impressing me and doing fantastic. I mean, if I just suddenly walked out of here, they would all just do a better job to make up for the fact that I was gone. Um, they're so honest, and they're, they literally act like a, uh, a group of siblings, so they, they kind of pick on each other a little bit, but like in a very nice way. I mean, we don't have company birthday parties, but we've, everybody's had a birthday party that spontaneously happened. I mean, everybody went to Smiley's graduation when he graduated high school. I mean, like, it was, it was you know, it's, it's like weird, folky uh, family television kind of nonsense going on here. And they've been fantastic. Every time I send out DJ, I get a, uh, and any of the guys, I shouldn't, I shouldn't pick on them. They're going to call me playing favorites again. Uh, but... Every time I send that else on a job, I get a compliment back from the uh, customers, and you know they don't have to do that. Yeah. And you know customers will let you know when something's wrong. So when they let you know something's right, it's it's really good. Right. Yeah. They've been fantastic. That's phenomenal. Um, and are you guys planning on being here for like is is this your stopping point? Yeah. Or? I mean, we we want to grow. Um, maybe new locations. Maybe different ways of doing business. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're established here, and that's when we finally bought the building here. I mean, that's a very big buy-in of, I guess, we're going to be doing this for a long time kind of idea. But frankly, I'm 37, and I've only ever been in business for myself, so frankly, it had better work out, because uh, all I can have on my resume if this doesn't work out is failed business. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, entrepreneurship will look great on your resume. I'm like, if you win. If you win. But the next question is, why aren't you doing that then? You want to say, oh, well, I sold it for a million dollars, and I'm just getting a job because I'm bored. Not, uh, well, first one didn't work out, the other one didn't work out either. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, I think of their questions that I have for you. How, so it, this is a 100,000 square foot warehouse? Uh, no, no, only 50. Oh, 50,000. Yep. Okay. Did you have a different location that was 100,000? No, we had one that was 65. That was our last location. Okay. But I got to say, it was not like utilizing that square footage very well. Okay. <coughs> Frank, that's plenty of room for us. Um, yeah. These days, just trying to keep 50,000 square feet filled all the time is hard. So, yeah. Okay. Works for us. Do you guys have any, other than the grip events, do you guys have any like powerlifting competitions? No, we'd like to. Um, we're not expert enough. So we need to, to make some friends among the gyms who want to use our space to do it because now just... You know, anytime you get real enthusiasts in a sport, you can't half do anything. Yeah. They'll get, they'll get ticked. They'll tell you what's wrong. So, you know, we're, we're looking at it. We need somebody with, you know, that kind of expertise to kind of do something like that. Um, right across the way, there's actually a gym that's pretty hardcore called uh, Backwoods Barbell. Okay. And, uh, you know, they do some very smaller meets and stuff like that there. So maybe if they start growing there, we can move them across the street and get them to do their stuff here. Yeah. Well, because I know for uh Competition powerlifting, you have to have the right judging, oh, yeah. depth, and the whole bit. Yeah. Which is a whole other ballgame. Oh, yeah. I gotta say, anytime a sport gets too high level, it kind of takes the fun out of it. Um, jiu jitsu and judo competitions, like the, the more you get towards like the the higher level IBJJF I, 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 stuff, mm -hmm. oh, you know, your sleeve's not the right length, you're not wearing the right brand, your tag's in the wrong place, and it stops being fun. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you don't go too far, is you have to really, really, really want to be the champion if you're going to put up with it, whereas most of us are just doing because we like doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. That. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, how can people get in contact with you if they want to come visit? or? Oh, well, usegymstore.com. Um, our page on Facebook is usegymstore, and I think we're the same thing on Instagram, too. Um, so, yeah, just come check us out, and we're super easy to find, and we're here all the time, so you'll see one of us. Fantastic. And uh, it's gotten Janelle uh, 
and just come and visit them. They're in Hickory, North Carolina. Um, so if you guys are ever in the area, pay them a visit. There, you guys have been really like you probably didn't, you didn't know me initially, and I I contacted you months and months ago. Mm-hmm. But they've they've always been super sweet and super oh, well, like outgoing. So it doesn't matter who you are, honestly. But you guys have a really good thing going. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. You. Well, we aren't the biggest, and we don't have the deepest pockets. But so I always tell them we try to make a forward in customer service. Yeah. One thing we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's where the it's where the difference is made, honestly, because anybody can sell you a barbell. It's yep. like well, there's there's a lot more to it. Right. Right. So, that's awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much. Gosh, and thanks for coming yeah, and talking to us. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, sir. Thank you for listening. Please give Freedom Cast a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot to our business. Plus, it's fun to read y'all's reviews. See you next time.